Welcome to Inside Aesthetics, the podcast for cosmetic, wellness, and business insider knowledge. I'm Dr. Jake Sloan, a cosmetic doctor based in Sydney, and I'm joined by my co-host and good friend, David Segal, an entrepreneur and a multi-clinic owner in the aesthetic space. We'll cover any topic that makes you look or feel good with long form, unbiased, and unfiltered conversations with expert guests from around the world. New episodes are released every Friday and you can subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You should seek medical advice before undergoing any treatment or procedure, and these podcasts do not replace a professional and bespoke consultation. That looks like a very high-tech studio, I must say. Thank you. It's a shed. It is your shed, isn't it? Because I remember when Tim came on, he said, uh, didn't you upgrade it? Wasn't it sort of a potting shed and now it's a fancy studio? Uh, yeah, so so well. First things first. He actually, it was a kind of like a granny flat situation, and then Tim Tim built by himself a massive this whole section, but quite a bit wow. uh, more. And um, then when Corona hit, we had to make it into a, a studio. So yeah, this is it. Sounds like we could make all. a um, good episode of uh, Grand Designs. Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> and I said to him, "How did you build this massive shed?" And he was like. Oh, you know, it's just the principles of engineering. <laughs> I was like, gosh, it just works. Everything he does, that, it works from first principles. That's, so, a, yeah. that's a man right there. Well, I just watched, um, <laughs> as I was driving here, I was just sort of doing a bit of research and Tim's um, latest video on using saline or hyaluronidase came on. And his little experiment, I was like, only Tim. Only Tim can do that. No one else. He loves, yeah. Yeah, he, he's good. He's very, very good value. Yeah. Um, so how have you guys been? How's uh, the whole Rona situation? So Rona is okay for us now. And we were, obviously at first, it was absolutely carnage. You know, that in March of last year, you know, I just remember going and closing the clinic with Tim on a Saturday. And I just cried quite a lot. You know, I came home and I just was like crying and cleaning and crying for like two hours, just like desperately trying to listen to Tony Robbins and (laughs) get myself put back up. And then after that, I made a choice about how I was going to approach it mindset-wise. And I decided that I wanted a good war story. You know, I don't know about you guys, but my grandparents always taught us, you know, war stories from from the Second World War. And I thought, you know what? I want to be able to say at the end of this that I want to be able to talk to the kids and say, you know, we came out that well. Yeah. And and that's what we've done. Yeah, it's going, it's going really well. Um, obviously, you guys, bless you, you're in lockdown again, aren't you? I feel for you. It's carnage. I think the whole going back into lockdown is is awful. How are you finding it? Well, look, I don't think it's a hard lockdown compared to what you guys had. I mean, you know, we can obviously go to the shops and, and, and get things and you can go out to exercise. But when I say go out and exercise, you go to the park, there's thousands of people. And you're like, you're not exercising. You're just here pissing around, <laughs> having an ice cream. <laughs> um, so it doesn't feel or it certainly doesn't feel like that sort of craziness of a year ago when um you know it's quite scary when when no one knew what was happening and you yeah. sort of imagine the, you know coronavirus coming under your front door and, and all that kind of stuff it, it's it doesn't feel like that now at all no um yeah. but it's it's crap you know for a lot of businesses obviously they're well including myself we can't work um you know if you've got something like a restaurant or or whatever you're just screwed because yeah. all of your produce goes off and just depends on your business i guess there's a lot of uh, walking lattes at the moment yes yeah <laughs> that's the one positive to come out of it and including yourselves where you built your new studio a lot of businesses have, have evolved and and done better for it i think yeah um yeah. but you know injector don't i can't really do mobile 
<laughs> injecting or, or anything else, I've got to be in my clinic. So it's yeah. tough. But it, look, let's hope it's just two weeks um, and then we'll be back. I mean, it's been a crazy year though. I mean, most injectors, I don't know what the UK was like because you were in and out of lockdown, but we've been out of lockdown for essentially a year and it's just been mental. Like I've done 18 months of work in eight and a half months. It's just crazy. Everything's so, been compressed down. Yeah. So Exactly. But I think what people were feeling is what's going to happen after the, the initial rush. Mm. So I think this would be that constant anxiety of what's next. Um, but, but I found interestingly from my perspective, because I... I'm so obsessed with mindset. And so I kind of feel like I have to, you know, look after everyone's mindset and try and push people forward. I feel that actually, although everyone's struggling with anxiety or whether they're struggling with, you know, worry that their business will go under, et cetera, at least there are some other mindset issues that are being kind of pushed to the back. Like people were not worrying about comparisonitis as much, you know, mm. and they weren't looking at each other so much. And they were just kind of, um, you know, focused a lot of the people that I look after, you know, my audience were on the front line and they couldn't even see their children. You know, yeah. they were in hotels um, in COVID wards and stuff like that. So, wow, it was someone else. It really was. Yeah. So, so how long have you guys been open again at Skin Viva? April the 12th. Okay. And things like, have you experienced the same thing where it's gone nuts or is it just kind of normal flow and people are a little bit cautious because of, you know, everything else? No, it has been. It has been nuts. Um, good. For us, I think we have a sort of fairly, not unique situation, but we have a sort of a bigger aesthetic business. Um, and so we've had the challenge of how do we manage kind of staff and, you know, buffers, you know, after appointments and, you know, um, we, we actually had a telephone inspection. Um, I don't know who it was, the council or whatever called us and sort of took, said, are you doing this? And, uh, you know, went through everything and we, we passed the flying colors. So it's that sort of man managing the logistics of it. Mm. Um, business wise, it's been good. Mm. Awesome. So Miranda, Everyone knows who you are. Well, I'm assuming they know who you are. You've got a huge profile online. You and Tim running your amazing educational channel on YouTube, which is just, I mean, every time I pull up my YouTube, one of your videos comes up because I watch so many of them. <laughs> so you're on my regular feed. But for those that are listening that are maybe consumers or people that are new to the industry, could you just give us a bit of a flavor for who you are, your background, how you ended up doing this crazy popular YouTube channel with your husband? Just tell us all about yourself. So I came from a really sort of public sector background. So literally like my parents are teachers. I never, you know, knew anything about business. And the last employed job I had was in the healthcare commission, which is no longer, it's the care quality commission now, but it's basically the regulator of national health service. And so I was the least business-minded person ever. And then Tim started doing Botox and filler and I found out it was going to be made redundant soon after. And he said, why don't we make a go of this? Why don't you come on board? You know, I'm not a clinician, but, you know, support me and, you know, book my diary and do some business stuff and, and we'll make a go of it. And at first, honestly, I was repulsed. I was like, ew, gross. No, I'm not a business person. Like <laughs> I work for other people. I'm a really good employee, you know? And I walked away from that meal we had together and I was like, no, 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 no. And then I started to slowly fall in love with the idea of having our own thing and, you know, that creative outlet and all of that. And so we started Skin Viva and we've grown it and we have two other directors as well, Lee and Gillian. And, but a big, so I was basically looking after customer service and sales. I mean, I wouldn't have called it sales back in the day because I had terrible money mindset issues, but that's a whole other podcast. Um, but I, you know, I really was very much on that support side, super in love with our customers, very customer service focused. And then a big thing happened for me, a big, 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 you know, changed my whole life in 2016, 
I became really quite overwhelmed with the whole thing. At that point, we had about 20 staff. I was procrastinating being a proper leader. And I think a lot of people can relate to this. Um, I saw an amazing um, live, actually, that I don't know if you know, Tox Josh, you know, Botox Josh. He did a live yesterday or the day before about his mental health and just saying how he really has come, you know, to the point where he's just was leading a load of people. It just wasn't for him anymore. And he realized, and I think it's quite hard. I think, Jake, how many, do you have any staff? No, no, no. So I, I'm, well, I don't know if I'm quite, lucky yeah. or not lucky. I don't have my own clinic. So I used to work with David, which is how we met. Um, mm. And then I left his clinic, I don't know, maybe nine, 10 months ago now. Yeah. Um, he yeah. left me for greener pastures, Miranda. Just, yes. I'm, not, I'm not upset. <laughs> I just cry a little bit every now and again. Oh, <laughs> come on, buddy. Um, so I work in two, two uh, clinics owned by a plastic surgeon. His name's Charles Cope. So, um, yeah, so I, I don't have that headache. And, and I have so yeah. many people who ask me, and I'm, I'm mm. sure I'm probably going to ask you for advice, actually, but a lot of people ask me, why don't you have your own clinic? And I just don't want I know. to. <laughs> Yeah, I know the reason. No, honestly, choose your choose a, choose the lifestyle that suits you. Choose yeah. where you are best, where yeah. your energies are best put. And and I and I'm not you know not dissing staff. I still have loads of staff, but it, it, I was procrastinating being a leader. I was actually hiding away in the busy work. Mm. I'd like I you know I was like picking up the phone and just sort of trying to still be that old person, and it wasn't okay. And honestly, I I got depressed, overwhelmed, you know, procrastination, and you, I just taught myself that I was no longer powerful. Mm. And so, in in sort of midway through, to, and I just had another baby, and what you know, it's hard, it's hard. Isn't it? yeah. <laughs> and um, I got depressed, and I was really seeking for I you know seeking for what to get out of this, and what could I do, and I. I had a massive personal development breakthrough. Like it was, it was one of those kind of road to Damascus, balls out kind of like, oh my God, you know, my <laughs> life changed in a moment. I know not, most people don't experience that, but I did. And I started becoming obsessed with personal development. I read, you know, 54 self-help books in a year. You know, I went to all the seminars. I'm reading or listening to all the podcasts and everything. And I wanted to document my process of personal development. So I started an Instagram and every day I'll come on, do like a little mini blog, you know, about my, you know, about my, my breakthroughs, et cetera, my, my highs and my lows. And in the process, I became awesome at marketing. I didn't, you know, I didn't think I was, I'd never thought that, that was what was going to happen. And in 2019, our, the marketing lady who looked after our marketing at Skin Viva, she left to have a baby and we got another colleague on board and it, you know what it's like you know what it's just not really a fit mm. and she felt it and we felt it and I remember we were in a board meeting a few weeks later and so me Tim Lee and Gillian and Tim was on his phone and he checked and she'd resigned oh. and and um we were like oh okay we do not have any marketing resource and they all looked up at me and they were like you do it like you do it. You've become you know you're obsessed with marketing you've become you've self-taught and you do it. and that's what I did. And then of course, Corona hit and we didn't have a business to market. And, and so I went hard on the e-learning side. And so that's what I do now. I look after the marketing for Tim's e-learning and now my e-learning as well. I have a marketing course out as well for aesthetic clinicians. And so, yeah, that's what I do. I've come round the houses, but mm. it's been exciting. We were going to move on to ask you some questions, but something else came to mind before we move on to the, uh, I guess, the real business type questions. But you mentioned marketing. I'd be interested to know what you actually define marketing as these days. Um, because for me, as a, uh, someone from a business background, I don't even know what that means anymore because you've got so awesome. many different platforms, so many different ways people can interact with your brand. Is, is marketing 
okay, you know, 10, 15 years ago, Mark wouldn't be considered putting an ad in a magazine or a newspaper or a radio ad or running a competition or whatever it was. But now everything is marketing, isn't it really? I mean, the way that your staff interact with your clients, the way your place of business looks and feels and smells, all of these things. So what do you define marketing as? Yeah, I would say that marketing is overcoming your dream customers' limiting beliefs. So there are things, I define a limiting belief as I can't do X because of Y. And it could be in any area of your life. You know, I can't start a podcast because I don't have the equipment. I can't, you know, find a partner because all men are fucked, you know? <laughs> you know it, it's, like, it's like any limiting belief that stops you from moving forward in your life. And these people, there are people out there who want aesthetics. They know they want aesthetics, but they have many, many things blocking them mm. from getting aesthetics. So our job as a marketeer is to help them overcome those limiting beliefs. And that's it. Now, in, in the clinic, you know, how it smells, how it looks, et cetera. I would say that's, I mean, I, I don't, I'm not worried about this definition, but I say probably marketing stops at the point where they, where they book. And then I think probably sales begins and customer experience. Yeah, because all, all these different parts of the business traditionally were looked at quite separately. You had your sales department, your marketing department, yeah. your finance department, and you know once a week everyone gets together and, and talks about what's happening. But starting to see people realizing everything, just as in the human body, everything is interconnected because a business is almost like a living organism, isn't it? It's an entity in, on, into itself. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. I do think though it's important. I um. I don't think we should try and be jack of all trades and mm -hmm. master of none. I think, you know, and, and interestingly, marketing is becoming super niched as well. Yeah. Like, um, you know, on our team, we have like an ad specialist and we have, you know, a social media specialist. And so actually I think, and I, and we have in Skin Viva, we have, um, I thinking one in particular, uh, we have Jay who is a salesperson, like he's a salesperson. Now he is super unsalesy and he's awesome and he loves our brand and all of that. But at the end of the day, he thinks about the clothes. You know, he thinks about closing mm -hmm. those people on fire. And I was, I want that. I need that. If you're going to be, if you, you do need to have these specialists, I believe, in different parts of your business. Sure. David and I were wondering, we were just talking before we started recording, how do you divide up your week in terms of your social media and all your filming versus, you know, in the clinic and Tim jabbing away? Because you, you guys produce a lot. It's amazing. You do your own thing. Tim does his, his thing. You do it together. Do you, so do you dedicate a whole day to it? It, it's all I do. Right. I just do marketing all day, That's every day. awesome. All night, every day. Um, so Tim is different. So he, um, obviously Corona kind of upset his injection, injecting rhythm. Um, but now we're going to be leading to the point where we, he's going to inject um, once a week. And, and and mostly on the full face, big kind of transformation stuff that we can use for marketing. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's our job. No, I think that's awesome. Just to make that clear, because I think you might be thinking, well, who the hell's running Skiviva? So we we have um, Fiona, our manager, and she's just phenomenal. She just goes wild. She she looks after it. Yeah, and you've got multiple doctors, and I gather it's quite a big place. Yeah. I don't know if you know, I, I studied in Manchester. I was there for eight years. Um, oh, so where gorgeous. are you in Manchester? So, well, we, the clinic is in what used to be called Hume, but is now Castlefield. Oh, yeah. Um, it's just next to the Mancunian Way. Do you know that St. George's Church, really mm -hmm. gorgeous church, has been converted into apartments on the on the, the roundabout there, just behind there we are. I probably knew it as a church because I was like there about 400 years ago, so. 
<laughs> I didn't. No, I didn't know it was apartments now. Um, so yesterday, you threw out some lovely stories, sort of, I, I guess, dropping the bomb that we wanted to talk about some businessy stuff and price stuff. So I, I guess just for a bit of context, because we were we were thinking about this after we spoke to you on WhatsApp yesterday, and we were sort of wondering, are is the price question the same for Australia as the UK? Because it's different. Well, I think it's different. Tell me more. Tell so, me more about your situation. So, well, I guess in Australia, we're dominated by what we call chain clinics. So big uh, brands who have, you know, well, in, in certain cases, well over 150 stores um, in the country. And then there's other yeah. chains who have maybe 50, 60, 30. So everyone will know these names. They're sort of high street clinics, if you like. And also just to put that in context, we've got a population of 22 and a half million people. So when you're talking about 150 clinics from one provider, that's a huge chunk of the market. Sorry, continue, yeah. And as a result of their buying power, they're, I don't want to use the word rock bottom, but they're very affordable uh, treatments. And and everyone will sort of be able to quote you, ah, oh, the, the one mil lip, everyone kind of knows the ballpark figure of how much that is. Whereas in the UK, I don't really think you have that dynamic. Everyone sort of solo or in bigger clinics like yourself but it's everyone's just different and so i think the question of how do you price yourself is maybe more pertinent to the uk because it's so varied but also here in australia it's different because everyone knows aha uh-huh, it's 389 dollars for a mill of lips so do i also do that if, if you go out on your own and you don't work in a chain clinic so that that's the context of why i was asking about pricing because i think it's a bit different but who am I talking to though? Like, who can I help here with my answer? Well, I guess we, I certainly get DMs from people saying, uh, I'm going out on my own and what, what should my prices be? Because I don't want to be too high. I don't want to be cheap. I don't want to look like I'm representing, you know, a clinic in any way, but my profit margins are different. And people sort of rack their brains with these sort of mm. questions. And, and David sort of had a bit of a, well, you sort of brainstormed it even more and it was sort of like, well, depends on your costs and depends on if you have staff and marketing. But I'm curious to know what you think because yeah. I know you've done this to death. <laughs> and, and also just to to continue on with Jason, when you asked who the audience is, I mean, we know we've got a fair idea, a large cohort of our listeners are, are nurses and there is, particularly in Australia, what to call it like a nurses liberation kind of movement where um, there are options, it's the barriers to entry for nurses to go out and open up their own individual clinics without having to work within a chain clinic or in a plastic surgeon's office. So just to give you some context. So this is not really confusing for you now. (laughs) No, no, no. But but, but what I'm, I think my advice will have generic mindset value Mm -hmm. anyway. Sure. Because when you, when you asked me this yesterday, you know, like I said on my stories, I'm, I started, I was, I, I was, when I'm preparing for this kind of thing, I always talk to myself. It's like, I think it's like an extrovert thing. So I'm walking around the house, like talking to myself, making a brew, trying to answer the question. And I started feeling a bit overwhelmed because actually there's so much that I want to say. You know, I've been in business 13 years. I've had terrible money mindset issues, you know, that's manifested in lots of different ways. And what would I say? I, I, I sort of thought to myself after a while, don't get overwhelmed. Just think like, what would you say to your 26-year-old self starting Skin Beaver? Like mm-hmm. what would be the top three things that you would say? And they are they are generic sort of mindset uh, inputs that I think can can kind of cross into lots of different areas of business. The first thing I'd say is when you are deciding your prices or when you are deciding whether or not to discount, because let's be honest, you know, discount Tourette's is a whole issue as well. <laughs> ask yourself or take yourself to the, is it worth it moments? Now, every single person 
whether you're employed, self-employed, got a business, you know, what, whatever kind of environment you're in, we at some point ask ourselves, God, is this worth, is this, is this really worth all of this? Mm-hmm. You know, so you, maybe you've got like a, you know, a, a client who's breaking your balls and, you know, just like trying to get 50 million follow-ups or, you know, they're threatening to do a bad review or you've had a terrible tear trough complication and you do and you, you, you sleep this night and you think to yourself, is this worth it? Shall I just go back to, you know, whatever the lowest thing is, like being single if it's about your partner or, you know, being employed or going back into, you know, be just go and become a gardener or whatever it is, you know, just the simple life. And when you imagine yourself in those moments, price from there. Because honestly, when you ask yourself, is it worth it? And you have all the anxiety that comes with that and all the resentment that comes with that, you need to know that it's worth it for you, even in the shit moments, that your prices buffer you for the shit moments. Because even if you don't quit in those moments, so even if you are, you ask yourself, is it worth it? And you think, well, go on, then I'll carry on. It's better than the National Health Service or whatever. You are still carrying the, that terrible energy. You're still so much more likely to procrastinate, for example. So if you're struggling to do your marketing, and it's because actually, if you're honest, you don't think this business is worth it for you, that's what's going on. You don't think this business is what you're not making the returns. You're not motivated enough. Whereas think about times when you've been really, really motivated in your life, whether you've been, you know, really motivated to get a girl or you've been really motivated to, you know, you know, I don't know, you know, finish an art project you've been doing at the weekend or take your kids out for a day out, whatever. You're motivated because you're going to get something back from it. And if you price yourself too low, honestly, you'll have way more of the is it worth it moments. So take yourself to that pain and then price from there. That's my first piece of advice. I don't know whether you guys can resonate with that. No, 100%. And the other thing that I don't know why people do it, but I'm sure I did this when I first started, is they don't think of anything apart from the cost of the product. So they don't value their time. They don't, um, you know, value the cost of consumables, um, the fact that they might have to follow that person up and all these other kind of... Incalc- well, they're not incalculable. You can actually calculate them, but people don't calculate them, and then, and then they kind of go, "Oh, I'm not really making much money here." Like, yeah. but but they still don't. I don't know. The penny doesn't drop for some people. Oh, it didn't. It honestly, I was lucky that Tim set our prices because it, honestly, emotionally, that thought that you've just said. I, if you'd asked me on day one, I would have been like, "Oh, yes, you're right, Jake." But it didn't go from my head into my heart for years. Yeah, honestly, like I remember someone challenging me and saying, "Oh, um." I, 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 I actually know she was, it was at a demonstration evening and we were just chatting and she said, um, I actually know how much a filler, co- uh, a syringe of filler costs yeah. because, um, my sister-in-law or whatever is X, Y, Z. And I remember in that moment thinking, Oh no, I've been exposed. You know, I'm a dirty profit seeker, <laughs> you know? Oh my God. And I thought that. So therefore in that moment, Jake, I was doing exactly what you just said. I was saying to myself, it's only about the price of the syringe, but like you say, there's so much more. Yeah, and I I think I learned this term from you. It's about skills, not meals. Did you come up with that? Yeah, Tim. Yeah, Tim. Is that Tim? So I mean, it's true though, isn't it? You know, it's exactly what you said. Patients will come in and say, "I know how much it is," or "I know how much it is down the road," and you're like, "And yeah, Um, I've been doing this for thirteen years, and blah blah blah, whatever your your unique selling point is." Yeah, but people don't. But you know that Jake though, because you are in touch with your skills. Yeah. No. So I think what we probably need to go on to talk about is how to get in touch with your skills. Karen, no, I was going to say, like, I don't want to use myself for the example. I want to be thinking about that new well, injector. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have to put yourself in the position of one of those people. They've entered into the market. It's fiercely competitive. 
the consumers on the street who have these treatments done, as Jake alluded to, they know exactly what the prices are. So it's just the fear of saying, well, you know, are people going to think I'm good enough or are people going to come through the door and maybe I'm better off having a lower price because it's better to have some customers and no customers and then mm. I can put my prices up later. So I think there's, there's a lot of sort of fear around that, especially if it's someone's first business. I mean, I think that people in general underestimate how difficult it is to run a business. They just It just sounds great, but no one really truly understands everything that goes on, all the things that can go wrong, all the things that you need to have contingency plans for, ability to sort of pivot and all these sorts of things and cash flow and <laughs> the, list, <laughs> the list goes on and on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if, let's talk to that new injector then. So my advice to you would be articulate the value of what you do to your dream customer. Like really and truly, what's going to happen to them when they have this treatment from you. And I want to just call something out, which again, I totally experienced. And I think many, many, I know many, many clinicians have, which is that a lot of people come into this industry. And if we're honest, we don't really agree with this industry. We think it's a bit scuzzy. We think it's anti-feminist. You know, we, we worry about what it's doing to society. We don't really like the other end of it, you know, the kind of the big lips end of it. And so we actually think that we are less valuable because, you know, we don't understand what it's going to give to that customer. But let me tell you the story of my, my own treatment. So I, I didn't have, I, I had kind of a bit of Botox and whatever for years. And then I had three syringes around basically to tackle tear trough. That mm -hmm. was about eight, about eight years in. So, you know, like I'm running this business. I love my clients, but I don't understand. I really don't understand the value to them. And so I did that and that was cool. Then I left it another few years. Then I had 10 syringes all in one go. Ooh, ooh, that was amazing. <laughs> and then you guys, this was the biggest breakthrough for me. I had my lips done about three years ago, something like that. And I swear, I sat up on that bed and I looked in that mirror and I said, oh my God, I'm sexy. Mm. And by this point, you know, so I've just turned 40. By this point, you know, I, you know, I, I'm not saying I'm ugly or anything like that, but you know, you get to certain, well, I don't know if you guys can relate, but when you're a young woman, you know, you're in 20s, you kind of guys look at you and, you know, you get looked at in the street and it stops. And actually in my 30s, it stopped. And I wasn't mourning the loss of it or anything like that. But when I sat up on that bed and I saw that I felt sexy, that, that was worth a shit ton of money. Yeah. And I think that if you don't have treatment in this industry, it's a real problem. Now, I'm not saying you should go and have treatment. I'm not saying, you know, that would be unethical, but I, I think you have to ask yourself, like, do you really understand the value to these customers? And then in September, I had 16 syringes in, in one go. Dr. Tim and I'm special. Like getting on, I honestly put me on the rooftops. I'll get a loudspeaker. Everyone needs aesthetics. This is phenomenal. <laughs> and and that I wish I'd had that at the beginning. I do, and I I could have had treatment. Okay, I was young, but I could have had treatment. I didn't. So my advice to you is, as a as a new injector, is go and experience it. But go and experience it with someone else. Go and experience the whole customer journey. What could you do better? Did you feel special when you walked into the into the clinic? Did you feel comfortable? Did you feel intimidated? You know, did you get a follow-up when you wanted it? What value could you add that would enhance your life and then replicate it? And you will start to believe your own worth. Such good advice. Totally, totally agree. So what about those people who are not only struggling with the pricing issue, but then, you know, you get those annoying things like last minute cancellations, didn't turn up, didn't bother even checking in to say I'm not coming and then people sort of struggle with what do I do or how do I stop that happening so frequently or are there any special methods that you guys have sort of done at Skin Viva to make it better? 
So again, I could give you tactics. You know, it's all the things you know. It's all the things, you know, that it's deposits, it's reminders, all of that. But why don't we, why do we know what to do, but then we don't do what we know? Yeah. And this is the thing. People come onto Facebook groups and they understandably, by the way, I totally get it. They'll be like, oh, these dickheads, they're not, you know, they're not, <laughs> get, let, they don't even let me know, you know, la, 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 la. You're really kind of like going for it. And everyone comes on, oh, babe, I totally, this is clinicians. Oh, babe, I totally agree with you. Like, what not, babe? It's like, I can't believe it. People have no, people aren't kind these days, la, 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 la. Honestly, I've been there so many times. I remember about a few years into Skin Viva, Tim said to me, dude, we need to start taking deposits, which wasn't a thing at the moment mm. in England, uh, at the time in England. And I was like, eh, we're going to lose customers. Oh God, like we're going to, you know, everyone's going to hate us. They're going to think we're money grabbing, whatever. And I resisted for years. Like I'm talking like I was a proper blocker. He's like, what are you doing? Take deposits. And I remember the moment it changed. I'd, um, so we, at the time we were injecting in like other people's locations and, um, I, I had a call on a Saturday morning. He was kind of going around a couple of occasions and I had a call and this woman's like, get me in, get me in. I need to be seen. And he did have the time. This is before kids. And, and, and he was like, I was like, I said, I called him. He's on the road and I said, can you see another lady in this other location? And he's like, I will see another lady if you take a deposit. <laughs> and I was like, oh God, I'm going to have to like take a deposit over the phone. They're going to think I'm a dick. And anyway, I didn't. And I said to these, I was, it was a woman, I think her partner or something like that. And I said, um, and, you know, I, I said something ridiculous, like I'm, you know, supposed to take a deposit, but will you promise me that you'll definitely turn up? <laughs> and it, bear in mind, he's going to this location for one, I'm getting him to go to this location for one person because I'm like hustling this. And um, I, I was like, please, please. And I think I might have even said something hideous, like, um, you know, I, I'll get into trouble if you don't, you know, something awful, like setting myself up as like the worst, you know, the priming it in the worst way. And um she was like, no, no, totally. I'm in town anyway. I'll totally be there. La, la, la. And sure enough, he came with his bag, with all his stuff and they weren't there. And I swear I cried. I cried and I cried. And do you know what I was crying for? I was crying for him because I'd sent him on this, you know, this errand. But also I was crying for the fact that I knew it was the end. Mm. I knew I needed to start putting boundaries down. And I knew that I had to man up basically and I and it was so funny as well though because I was like te I'm calling her and I'm texting her like I pretty much like I wanted to say like you bastards and I, I didn't obviously because it wasn't there you know I th this is the thing it's not the other person's fault we are all someone else's dick we are all as consumers all of us push boundaries at some point it is for the business owner to put those boundaries down and to reinforce them i saw something the other day uh, i think it was a tiktok where this guy was making a joke of the fact that people who come into shops at 10 minutes to the closing time are massive dickheads like what are they thinking all these poor minimum age wage workers are like get out the shop. do you know what i always do that I do it all the time. I'm quite time poor. So I will, sh I will go in, you know, right 10 to the hour. But that to me is, I'm their dick. I'm their dick in that moment. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I'm playing by their rules. If they want, you know, that, that they, it's for them to set them. And so this is what I say to people on the groups, just you are building up so much resentment. You are building up so much bad energy. Mm -hmm. You set your boundary, reinforce it and stick with it. So taking yourself back to when you were so resistant, why were you resistant? Because, you know, I, I do have injectors who still feel awkward, like money grabby, exactly what you said. It's just exactly that, Jake. It's like we, we so 
any reason we do anything bad mindset wise is because, you know, the amygdala at the base of our brain is telling us the fight, flight or freeze response is telling us that we will be rejected and ostracized from the tribe. You know, when we were cavemen, if we did anything that the tribe didn't like, we would be out on our ear and we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't have food. So I grew up in this public sector environment, very left-wing environment, you know, profit is bad, all of that kind of stuff. And, and actually, you know, when I'm saying to another human being on the phone, I'm basically saying, think about it. I'm saying, I'm going to take money from you because I don't trust you. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it? It's okay. Like that's what we should absolutely do. But that's what we're saying. And I think it just feels, and, and like anything new as well, we're out of our comfort zone. We have to go through that pain. You know, I always say when people ask me about discount Tourette's as well, when you kind of can't help yourself and you're like, the person hasn't even asked for it. And you're like, hundred pound off or here's a free syringe or whatever. <laughs> Silence is your friend. You know, say it. I need to take a deposit now. I don't think you've ever said you that, have you, David? What was that? Free syringe of filler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think about it and people don't intentionally set out to not turn up to your appointment. I think that you need to remember we're living in a society where we're just expected, the human brain is just under constant bombardment. I mean, the amount of things that we need to do and distractions that we've got, social media, calendar invites, Zoom links, podcast, people are just overwhelmed. Um, and people respond to fear of loss. It's one of the most powerful sort of, you know, human drivers is fear of losing something. It's not that you're saying that you don't trust them. It's almost like you're taking something that they don't want to lose. It's something that's going to jog their memory because people don't like to lose things, especially money. So it's not so much the trust thing. It's just you're setting up a process that helps them to remember. <laughs> that's exactly. I like. And I actually think as well, it's setting up a good precedent for what will then go on in the consultation. Yeah. You, you will have set boundaries. You know, Jake will set boundaries all the time. No, sorry, you can't have another syringe because you've already, your lips already look big or whatever. Yeah. And actually, if, if we are doing that beforehand, it just says, look, this business is run well. There are boundaries. Yeah. Well, as my um, business partner, Cassandra Smith, shout out to Cassandra, always says, she's she started off working for me as a manager. Now we own businesses together and now she's teaching me things. So it's been a nice full circle. But she says to me, you, you teach people how to treat you. Mm -hmm. That's Very an true. Oprah quote. Yeah, you oh. And I'm curious Absolutely. to know what what booking system or, or um, software do you guys have at Skin Viva? Because that's, that's a question that comes up a lot, actually. Because obviously, you, you know, you said, "Oh, just send them automated texts and SMSs." But again, <laughs> lots of people don't do that because they don't have the facility. So, what what one do you use? We use a piece of software called Clinic Office. Okay. Um, I I wouldn't recommend it for single-handed people mm -hmm. um we use it because it has like development opportunity there's quite a lot going on, on under the bonnet and also this is a very basic point but all the different staff can view everything whereas if you're in just an app that's designed for a single-handed person um not multiple people can view it at once so yeah okay awesome so I guess this is kind of an obvious question but I don't know if you've got any sort of spin on this the Miranda magic how do you build patient loyalty so they you know value you more uh, you know because again they're going to base this on price or i can get it down the road for 10 bucks cheaper or whatever so i'm i'm guessing for that new injector who's struggling with confidence that's really my question how do you build the confidence to you know lay down the law and get them to respect you and and be more loyal in a nice way rather than sort of hammering them over the head saying gotta do this give me the money yeah <laughs> So it starts with belief that you are worth it. Now, I'm a massive advocate of 
you cannot, or I have never seen evidence that you can magic up self-belief. You know, people do affirmations and stuff like that and, you know, more power to them if, if, you know, great. But I don't, I don't, I've never seen any evidence that it works. I think you can only get self-belief by proving it to yourself. Can you educate me? What's an affirmation? Um, You know, when you say like, I am worthy, I am worthy, I am worthy. I am, you know, um, it's kind of like, um, yeah, sort of self-suggestion almost that you, yeah. Or you might, you know, you might say, people sort of say it in the, in the, in the, the present tense. So they'll say like, I am, I am wealthy. I am abundant. I am worthy of, you know, let's say you're trying to get a partner or something like that. And you've always had bad relationships in the past. You sort of say like, I'm worthy. I'm, I'm, um, you know, I am, I have a great partner. It's, I think it's like a completely legitimate tool, but I, I don't think that it alone will make you believe in yourself. Yeah. You, you have to prove to yourself that you are worth this price. Now that's problematic because obviously you need to set your price first before you can do any kind of proving to yourself. It's almost like, you know, we are, we need to create notches on our bedpost. We need to, you know, why are you confident, Jake? Well, it's because, you know, you've stood on stage teaching other people, you know, you've seen your great results. You've been through the pain of probably mediocre results and you've come out the other end and, and, and changed your practice. And that comes with, with time. But most importantly, and here's my biggest piece of advice in any kind of arena is just take the smallest brave step. Like what's the smallest little thing that you can do to begin proving to yourself that you're worth it? And actually even just setting a boundary, like taking a deposit or not giving a discount will make you think subconsciously, oh, right. Okay. So I, you know, I do, I do have, my shoulders are broad. You know, I, I, I am, I am, I, I deserve to be here in this arena. And then once you've done that, you will, oh, and then obviously you can do it in marketing as well, which is my massive passion. So if you are, I, I see people, honestly, I see people start marketing before they even take their course. And they're not purporting to be an expert, but they are showing up and providing value to their dream customer. So they are saying, you know, do you worry about, you know, whatever the needle will hurt? You know, here's the truth. And that's what they're market, that's what they're doing in their marketing. And by doing that, they prove to themselves that they're worthy, but also they are building an audience that then when you get to a certain level with an audience and when you are helping people day in, day out, then those people, those dream customers will follow you. And then they'll turn up at your clinic and they'll be like, oh, okay. They'll just assume you're worthy. You don't need to do any work because you've done the work already because you've been helping them on your marketing. And then when you inject them and you get a good result and everything, then you build up your, the notches on your best bedpost of thinking you're worthwhile. But it takes small little brave steps every day. Yeah. I mean, I see this a lot when I'm teaching, you know, new injectors, they have this pressure to be like that famous Instagram injector from day one. And unfortunately, that's just the world we live in. And and that's what you see. And, and that's what you think, I guess, as a new injector, you have to replicate. But I guess my advice, if you're listening as a new injector would be, you know, celebrate those tiny wins, like that patient was really happy with their glabella Botox and didn't come back saying, I need more. Like, that's good. Shows that you're doing the right thing and your patient's happy. And if you can get them to rebook, kudos to you, even better. So just you know, don't set the bar too high, I guess, would be my advice. Exactly. But I think that Pete, I almost feel like there's, there's a little bit of a, like a lizard brain excuse going on there. Like when you are new in business, you want every excuse under the sun to not take actions. So you don't want to build your Instagram because you fear that you're going to be, you know, your pants are going to be pulled down. Everyone's going to be like, oh, you're a massive imposter. What are you doing? And so you 
look at, you know, you, Jake, or, you know, Tim or Roger Killer or whatever, and you spend time looking at that because then it gives you that beautiful excuse or gives your lizard brain the beautiful excuse not to have to take action because oh, I could never be them. What am yeah. I doing? I could never be them. And actually, do you know what I find is the people who are doing the marketing, who are actually getting the freaking customers and not just the, the kudos and not just the strokes from other clinicians. The people who are getting the customers are the ones who are obsessed with showing up with value for the customers on their marketing. Literally, they're obsessed with their customers. And I see so much of clinicians speaking to other clinicians on their marketing, like doing funny reels that other clinicians will find funny. Well, honey, you're, you're literally marketing to the wrong audience. You're, you're, you're doing B2B, business to business marketing. Let's get some B2C marketing and you will win. Become obsessed with your customer. Become obsessed with showing up for value, even if you are the shizzle yet and you haven't got all these accolades. Just help them. They don't, they're just normal people. They don't care if you're some massive, you know, the, you know, Jake, you know, they don't, they don't need you. <laughs> like you've already got your customers because you built it up. You know, you, you're playing on a different field. Mm. And I think if injectors can just sack off looking at all these other clinicians, start obsessing with them and start obsessing with your customer. Start, you know, going, go on. Here's a super practical tip to help you do that. So go on to Instagram, go in the search function, type in at, and then your location. So whatever, like at Brisbane, and then start looking at the people that you find on the search results page. So you're in the Brisbane page. So everyone who's tagged themselves in Brisbane posts, look at those posts, find people, so nothing to do with aesthetics, just find people who might be your kind of dream customer and start interacting with them. Start showing up, start being like, oh, hey, you know, love the outfit, whatever. I mean, don't be creepy, obviously, but you know, just start <laughs> creating a little community, start being an important part of the community. And that will get you obsessed with your dream customer. Instead of looking at some phenomenal injector in America that you just have no chance of being anytime soon. Yeah. Good advice. Great advice. I need to do a course with you, Miranda. Word of mouth. Out of all the different ways you can market and attract new customers to your business, um, I would, and I'm sure that you would, would agree as well, that that's your best return on investment. They're the best customers. You don't have to do anything for them directly. But how do you get them? How do you encourage, especially in this industry, right, where sometimes people are still, sometimes they're not so comfortable talking about, you know, where they got their lips done or, you know, who did their facelift, you know, they, they want to keep some stuff private still. So how do you grow those word of mouth customers, especially in this industry? Have the balls to ask for Ooh. a share, for a review. And again, I've been there, like I did not want to do that, but now I'm awesome. Whenever I see someone who's happy in my business, what I do is I have a little formula and I actually teach this on, on my course. There's a whole module on how to get more reviews and before and after pictures. What's key is passion gives permission. So if you are, so someone sits up on the bed, it's the mirror moment, they look in the mirror and they do what I did of like, they're suddenly like, oh my God, I look sexy. Ah, you know, amazing. <laughs> in that moment, you need to be passionate. You need to be positive. You need to say, oh my God, you look amazing. I can't believe this. And then, with from a place of strength, ask them, ask them for a review, ask them from the before and after, but don't do this. Uh, I mean, don't worry if you can't. Honestly, I, you're absolutely fine if you don't. But um, how, how would you feel about maybe maybe doing me a review? Or no, they'll be like they'll sense your lack of certainty, and they'll be out that door like, nah, I don't want to. Why do you know? Just it's just something between humans that goes on in that moment. <laughs> if you are certain and enthusiastic, not pushy. 
of course, if you are certain and you are enthusiastic and you say, oh my God, you look absolutely amazing. I'm so proud of that. <laughs> you know, say that you're proud of your treatment and say, how do you feel about me putting that up uh, as a before and after? Yeah. If, the next thing that you do, because that's quite kind of, it's not pushy, but it's it's pretty certain. If you would like to caveat it, you can say no pressure. Or you could even, if you want to push it a bit more, you could say the, what's in it for them to do that. So for example, you could say, you know, ask the question and then say, because you know what? A lot of people don't even want to come into this industry because they're worried about dodgy practitioners. And it really helps. It really helps other customers like you find me. I'm safe. So that's a, that's a kind of a sell that you can do. Um, or you could do another sell that you could do at the end of it. You could say, um, it really helps my, my business because people just want to help, don't they? But you've got to catch them in that moment when they're happy. And you've got to ask with certainty, passion. Don't, you know, talk yourself out of it. I have to say that's that's something that I I don't use as like a sales tactic. I think it's just a a nice thing to ask. So if someone's come through my Instagram because they saw some tear troughs that I've done, and they and then I did their tear troughs, I say, look, no pressure. Exactly what you said. Um, but you know, you saw a before and after that inspired you to come, and you're really happy. Can we then do that? for the next person yeah, and make them happy. pay it forward, exactly. Yeah, so, and, and people kind of like, yeah, that seems reasonable. Um, you know, some yeah, people say yeah. no, obviously. Yeah. But um, it's not it's not pushy or salesy, it's yeah. just true, I guess. Yeah. But I think, David, what, probably where you were going with that is like, a cust- like have phenomenal customer experience. Yes, and well, then that, that too, yes. Naturally, mm-hmm. which is which is cool too, but it's, it's I just, I, I think bang for your buck. Like, of course, having a phenomenal customer experience, but, human beings need to be led, you know, like I want people to sell to me because I'm so freaking time poor that if someone just, if I can just get, you know, I'm in some massive decision about like, which tire do I buy? Like, I can't be asked, just tell me what freaking (laughs) tire to buy, you know, I want to be pushed over the line. Yeah. I think the word sales has been given a bad rap because we've spoken about this before, you know, when you think about sales, you think about some, you know, sleazy real estate agent or used car dealer trying to flog you something that you don't need, a car that you don't need. But people are coming to you because you're the expert or you're what they perceive as the expert. So it's not, I don't, it's like education. It's education and trying to do the best by your patient. It's not about selling them something for the sake of selling it, selling it. But also let's be honest with ourselves. Let's be brutally honest with ourselves. Do you have a philosophical objection to sales or are you just scared to say, girlfriend, you need five syringes? You know what I mean? Like I'm 39. I was 39 when I had 16 syringes and look at me, I'm supernatural. Gorgeous. Let's, let's just ask ourselves, are you, you know, are you really worried about that? Or do you just, are you just a bit like you don't want them to judge you? Mm -hmm. I think if you do an awesome consultation and which, you know, let's be honest, like consultation is like where it's at, you you know, your whole business will skyrocket. If you, Tim um, improved his consultation and he increases average appointment value 80% in two years, 88, 0% in two years, just because he smashed his consultation. And so anyway, if you can do a great consultation, no one is ever going to think you're pushy because you've done this beautiful dance. You know, it's the same with, you know, if you're getting together with someone in a bar, like, you know, if you, yeah, you could say like, you know, let's go, let's go and bonk right now, which would be hideous (laughs) and no one's going to want to bonk you. Or you could, just do you know that lovely dance and then you'll end up getting a bonk you know later <laughs> definitely gonna have to click the explicit button on an apple podcast now <laughs> thanks miranda <laughs> you, sent oh us God, a... you should have told me no, 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 I'm no kidding. I'm we do it all the time no no we do it all the time it's yeah. all good <laughs> yeah it's kind of english swearing bonk bonk yeah shag yes. is it's it english, shag shag a... and bonk yeah, <laughs> yeah. i missed that <laughs> um 
Well, I, was like, I had a question. Well, yeah, well, I think people struggle. Well, it's uh, a fear of rejection too. Well, well that oh. as well, but also, you know, injectors by definition come from the hospital setting where they don't get paid. They get a salary through the NHS or, or wherever they're working in their country. So it's just weird. You Again, money grabber, you feel like mm-hmm. it's a lot of money, you know, five mils or whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, I, I, mm. I guess you just need to say it in a way that this is just what you need. I'm diagnosing your face and this is the yeah. solution. Yeah, maybe it's the guilt of, of the people you, you know as a medical professional that this treatment is not necessary for, to, to sustain life. Do you know not what I mean? Life. So, yes. So I guess when you're working in the NHS, people are coming to you because they need something. It's not really a discussion of do you want, this is what you need. Mm-hmm. So it's need versus want, maybe. I don't know. What do yeah. you think? Can I just challenge that though? Like as, as a woman who you know, sat up in the bed and, and was connected with my sexiness again. Like, that is life. Like, yeah. and obviously it's not actually like, I, you know, if I didn't have the lips, I would have still had yeah. a happy life. But I just, I, I think what we do is super profound. You know, people, um, uh, Tim did a uh, an eight syringe treatment the other day and, and she texted me afterwards and she just, I can't remember exactly what she said, but it was something like, you know, I... I I, I feel I feel myself yeah. again. Oh, what a yeah. phenomenal gift! Yeah, well, it's like we're, uh, but we're, it's we're hard. Not, we're, not, we're not. It's not superficial. I was going to say, yeah, it, it, I couldn't agree more. That's why I do it. Otherwise, I, I couldn't just be there squirting stuff in because I make money. It's the the profoundness of it and and the magic, you know, that magic mirror moment. But it's hard to sort of explain that to someone who who's not had it yet so mm. that new patient they're like what the fuck are you talking about magic and mm. we're gonna make me feel happy and find inner confidence they just want lips or or whatever they haven't connected why they're doing it is basically what i'm saying yes but i think we're talking about the conversation between you and yourself like it's a mindset conversation it's 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 really and truly being happy with what you're about to do and then when you feel you know going back to so my colleague jay who um you know, he he is by trade a salesperson. He books people into our training, face-to-face training. He loves us so much. He's so confident in what we do that he has zero holding back in that moment when he says, so would you like to book? Yeah. You know, it's that, that close moment. Now, I don't think clinicians should be closing. Like it's, it's a whole different thing, but it, the, the principles are the same. If you're happy with it, then you will talk to that person in the consultation and you would never put pressure, but you will not have your own mindset blocks about, about how many syringes. If they give you a signal that they want more, then you will be open to it. But back in the day, I used to, I used to talk myself, I used to talk people down on the phone. I used to talk to people, like for example, I was always really scared of tear trough because we used to get, you know, complications. When we first started, we used to use Juvederm Ultra 2 in tear troughs until Volbola came out. Right. And, you know, we, um, and this goes back to the pricing thing, we charge one nine hundred and ninety nine pounds which I think you guys are about double in Australia, mm-hmm. aren't you? So let's say $400. Um, and we got a few complications and Tim was like, balls to this. When Volbella came out, he was like, right, that's it. We're charging 595 So we trebled the price and we, I, I haven't got the numbers, but we we became known locally as awesome at tear trust. People were paying three times the amount yeah. because we knew that it was worth it to them, A, and that B, that they would, that we had, a, you know, that tear trough was a bigger risk of complications. We didn't want that, is it worth it moment. And Tim has this most amazing story, this, this lady, um, who'd got divorced recently and she had, you know, she, people kept saying to her, oh, you look tired, you know, the classic kind of thing, the tear trough. And he did her tear troughs. And she ended up marrying a man 
they had a yacht and she went <laughs> she went away into the sunset happily ever after that's the kind of stuff that we do so don't limit yourself that's what I'm going to put on my window now <laughs> <laughs> what I was saying before Miranda about the need versus want I sometimes think that sorry I didn't clarify that maybe sometimes doctors or nurses don't really appreciate the profoundness of what they're doing and therefore they don't yeah. sell or explain with the same excitement or the same yeah. passion because when you're truly excited about what you're doing because you love it and you believe it it just it manifests itself like it, it, it sort of it's contagious so maybe people Perfect. need to appreciate you guys listening need to appreciate what you do yeah. the changes that you do make to people's lives and 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 remember why you got in this in this industry to start with let me give you a little tip for that as well. Not many people do. When they come back for their second treatment or whatever, or just a, a top up, ask them, say, because you know how we have this classic thing, don't we? If you're a good marketeer, you'll say, how did you find out about me? And likewise say, what, how did you find the last treatment? Like was, you know, what, what, did, were there any changes in, in the way you were operating? You know, could you, were you more confident at the school gates? You know, did you go for a date? Like, you know, ask them. And even if they just come back and say, yeah, do you know, I smiled in, in photos, then you've done your job. Ask people and you will, you will get your self-worth coming back at you. 100%. So what do you think good customer service is for an injectable patient? And I guess the obvious one is, you know, be nice and, and do a good treatment and offer a follow-up and whatever. But do you, do you guys do anything at Skin Viva that's sort of extraordinary? Like, do you have a a separate waiting room or, or a, uh, I don't know, like fancy teas or, or anything that really builds the experience and makes people go, wow, this is the place to be. Um, I like all that stuff, but I think that it comes second to actually having a super responsive and human experience in the communication side of things. Mm -hmm. So I think people kind of, because I think it's so nice, isn't it? You know, everyone wants to talk tactics. Everyone wants to say, oh yeah, we've got the tea or, you know, we've, you know, we do this extra thing. But actually, if you really fucking care about the humans, the humans will care about you. Yeah. And and I, I mean, actually, the, 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 there is a point where it has to end and I was a bit boundaryless back in the day and I would kind of, you know, do anything for any of them. But, you know, I, I think far too few injectors are actually even picking up the phone when they are booking people in, you know, they don't, you know, they, I, I see injectors getting annoyed, you know, they'll be like, oh God, I was on my NHS shift and I had loads of people texting me and, call, and it's like, well, it's not their fault. You're on your NHS shift, get back to them, get back to them quickly. Yeah. And you will build, I, I remember um, when I used to be on the phones and I, um, you know, I was always like hustling and doing it late at night and all the rest of it. And I remember there was this thing that I, and my colleague Keely actually, who's still with us, she called it this as well. The, um, what did I call it? Oh, I used to call it a late night newbie. And so I, I would stay in the office until about 20 past nine. And I'm not saying everyone should do this, you know, we need boundaries and all the rest of it, but I'll give you the principles. And I remember that I would get like a website inquiry and I would think, right, okay, let's get onto them. And I would call them anything up until nine o'clock. And some people might think this is weird and kind of maybe you should, but I could, I would call them at quarter to nine. I'd be like, oh, hey, you know, hey Jane, um, it's Miranda from Skin Viva. I just got your message via the website. And the first thing that Jane would always say is uh, when I sort of said, oh, hey, you know, hey, is that Jane? She'd be like, yeah, hello. Kind of like, who is this chirpy bird? And then we would have the most amazing conversation because no one else was getting back to Jane. Jane had hit up a few different like, you know, website inquiries or social media inquiries, or whatever. No one else had got back to her until like three days later. Mm. Whereas me and Jane having this deep and meaningful 
about what, because I'm so knowledgeable and so amazing at customer service. We're having this deep meaningful. Of course, she's going to book. I used to have the most amazing conversion rate at that time of night because we would have these, I would surprise and delight them. Mm. So I would say surprise and delight with your communications. You know, when someone has a problem, don't, don't tell them that it was in the consent form. Don't say, oh, well, you, you agreed to it in the consent form. No, just hear them, have empathy, you know, treat them w- w- with with deep respect and, and really kind of see them. And that's the customer service that's just made, allowed us to have higher prices. We've always had high prices, um, you know, especially as the prices have gone down over the years, we've, we've kept our prices and, uh, and allows you to have this amazing reputation locally. Yeah. So that would be my biggest, the biggest uh, way you could put your most bang for your buck. Those are, that is very good advice. I will ask, however... How do you know when someone's taking the piss? Like, wh- when do you sort of say, okay, enough, this is your consent form, you're being ridiculous, your results are great, you had asymmetrical lips to begin with. Where where do you draw the line and how do you deal with those situations? Okay, so this is a massive question and it all starts in the consultation, of course, which you probably want to do a podcast with Tim about. But mm-hmm. um, if, you know, if you've kind of like, you know, really, really, you know, consented the shit out of them and you really kind of manage their expectations and all of that, but they're just that kind of person, I think is what you're saying, isn't mm-hmm. it? Um, I, so I, w- I have a, um, a seven step complaints process, um, which I developed because I was a complaints manager at the NHS uh, or second stage NHS complaints manager. And I, I saw a lot of really, really bad complaints management. Um, so I, I've developed this and I, I actually did an email about it. So if anyone wants to kind of hit me up on social media, I can send you that. But it's, it all comes down to, it does come down to really, really acknowledging them. And then you can set your boundary. So if you, I I read this most amazing book, you guys should all, it's in one of my top seven. I have, I have a top seven self-help books or kind of books that can help you in business. And it's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Mm -hmm. And this guy was a former FBI negotiator for hostages and it's the most entertaining book honestly you guys should absolutely listen to it on audible and he he developed this way of getting people out of these kind of awful situations and what he would do is what he called tactical empathy so if you really really take the time to listen to them and say so am i am i hearing you right what you feel is x y and z and do it from that place of love and not being on the defensive then they will say yeah, that's that's it. Whereas if you hear you're right or yeah, maybe you need that, that's it. You need them to feel truly heard and then they are your friend. And it, it's because anything, you know, if you're advising your kids, if you're advising, you know, you're, you're having a f- uh, fight with your partner, truly, truly hear them, then you're on the same side and you can put the boundary down and you can say, I, I you know, I can, I, I totally understand from your perspective, full stop, don't do but because everything before the but is bullshit. They'll <laughs> sense that and they'll go back around it. So full stop. And then you can just explain it again. And th- sometimes you do just have to use the, um, I forget what it's called, like where you just repeat yourself. I once watched Tim do the most amazing, I was um, assisting him in, in clinic and I watched him do the most amazing consultation whereby this woman had full-blown health anxiety. So she'd had tear troughs, an amazing result, but she'd been in A&E at the emergency room. Like, I think it's going to migrate into the, you know, into my eyeball, you know, going, going, going. And she wasn't cross at him, to be fair. She wasn't ranting at him. She's just super, super health anxious. And he got to the point, he's he's GPing her ass, like, you know, he's like, you know, doing, using all his GP tactics. And it got to the point where he just started repeating himself. 
And no, this is not the, no, that there's no chance that the filler has migrated to your eye. It's just your health anxiety speaking. No. And he like, he kept repeating. And it got to the point where I'm watching him like, oh, this is awkward, you know, but because he had, he'd empathized with her, he was a, he had that relationship. He had that kind of, you know, he, um, he, he, he had that relationship and he was able to then put his boundary down. One more thing I'd say about complaints management that's so, so important is find out what they want. Because sometimes what can happen is there are, there are different types of complainants. What you have, what I call the crusaders. So these are people who just want the system to change. They don't want anything back from it. They just want the system to change. Then you have people who want money. Like I don't judge them. Like fair enough, you know, whatever. It's just the way they roll. They want money. You have most people just want it rectified. And, and there's a couple of others as well. When you really understand what kind of complainant they are, then you match your solution to them. So never give a crusader money back. They'll be like, oh, no, I don't want my money. That's, you know, that's not what I want. Give them a rec- uh, say, you know, I, I see what you're saying. And so I will change my system from now on. You know, I will consult better or whatever it might be. And don't be afraid of actually, you know, saying what you will do differently in the future. Some people just want to be heard. Hear them, hear them. You know, um, Oprah says that in all her 25 years of doing the Oprah show, she, people used to always say to her, whether they be, you know, she's interviewing a murderer or she's interviewing Whitney Houston or Beyonce. At the end, they would always say to her, like, was that okay? Did I do okay? Like, was I worth being heard? We humans just want to be heard. If you can really hear someone, then you'll be in the driving seat. Very, very succinct. I like that, Miranda. So we're going to ask some questions about injectors rather than patients now. So particularly post-COVID, I noticed that a lot of injectors were a little bit funny about going back to work. And I don't mean because of Corona, but I mean, they felt de-skilled, demotivated or unconfident. Um, you know, that seems to crop up a lot. And, and I guess with uh, women, particularly when they come back from things like maternity leave, that there are lots of periods of time where for whatever reason, people have time out of work and um, yeah, and, and people struggle with it. And and I, I know you talk about it a lot on, on your feed where people are a bit anxious or they don't believe in themselves, that these kinds of things. So do you have any practical tips for, for people? I mean, I know we've gone over things like affirmations, but um, specifically w- with injecting, like what can people do to sort of, you know, feel a little bit more confident? Yeah. So what we're trying to do here is we have, we, we are no longer in our comfortable territory. So apparently when... Um, when rats, apparently this is like a thing that happens with rats, when one of the little rat family gets killed, apparently what rats do is they they want to make that their territory again, because clearly it wasn't, you know, the cats, it was the cat's territory last night, someone of their, their tribe got killed. What they do is they go and do little exposure therapy. So they'll go back to the scene and they'll just look at the scene and then they'll scutter away again. Really? They'll come back. Yeah, apparently this is like a thing. It's like what you would do if you were if someone was really scared of lift of elevators, lifts. You would you would t- the therapist would like if they were doing exposure therapy, they'd go into the lobby yeah. and they'd walk away, and they'd walk a little bit closer. And 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 this is what we need to do as injectors is we need to rehearse. So before you even go anywhere near a person's face, if you're worried about complications, get out your emergency kit. You know, get your sister to come and fake being on a bed and get your vials of Hyalase or I don't know what do you guys call is it Hyalase get them out you know get the number that you know get the number that you're happy with and you know get it all lined up and then 
practice having an occlusion and practice your capillary refill and practice what you'll do and get your get your sister to say, oh, it's all right, I'm fine. You know, I better get back to my husband. And then you say, no, sorry, love you. <laughs> I had to revert. Go through it, rehearse it. Be that rat who just goes back and, and gently exposes yourself again. Yeah, that's good advice. I mean, I guess for injectors, it's kind of a weird job where you can just avoid things. Where if you're in a hospital, you just got to face that challenge again and again and again because you don't know what's coming through the door. So, yeah, really good advice. It's a bit like PTSD, isn't it? <laughs> it's like yeah, you've sort exactly. of got to sort of, I don't know, yeah, like gradually build up to facing that thing again. Exactly. But I think what you're speaking to there, Jake, is so important. And we all have the curse of being self-employed. You know, you don't have to do the marketing. And so you can tell yourself whatever excuse you've got, like, you know, perfectionism or, you know, whatever it might be. And actually, one of the other ways, so I've been talking about rehearsing, which is essentially a pain motivator. So you're overcoming your, you know, the, the fear of, 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 of messing up. Let's talk about the pleasure. Because, you know, there are people who I, who I follow, who markets in the way that I recommend, who carried on marketing every single day throughout Corona. And guess what? They made a shit ton of money because they sold creams online or they, you know, their, their customers were really ready for them, you know, when they got back. And, and I think that's because they were in touch with their pleasure motivator as well. We've got to really understand what's in it for us. There's got to be a reason. Um, and I think too many people are just sort of think, well, I've, I'm not doing that anymore, so I won't do marketing. But you absolutely need to be showing up and helping those people so that you can have a great business. Mm. Something that um, injectors will, you know, I employ a number of injectors and have done for many years. And you know, I think Jake can probably talk to this as well, is that there are just some patients that you just have trouble connecting with and communicating with, especially during the consultation process. And, you know, people sometimes it's because... I don't know, they're probably maybe too excited thinking about their treatment and you sort of explain all the possible things that could go wrong and then something does go wrong and it's like, it was like they were never told. It was like, this is news to them. So how do you sometimes, how do you, I get, you know, identify those patients, the ones that aren't listening because sometimes you don't know until it's too late when they come back and, and say that, you know, you never said that or they didn't know. How do you communicate with these people? So um, I would take advice from Tim. He said this the other day on some content that we were creating, which is it's a little bit like the difference between a teacher and a coach. You as a clinician are a coach. You aren't telling them what they need and telling them what the side effects are. You are getting them to say back that they are happy with those things. You are coaching them. So there needs to be a moment in the consultation where you say there is a risk, blah, 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 blah. I w- if that happens, I will do blah, 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 blah. Because obviously you don't just want to say like, there's a risk of blind- blindness, so you're all right with our love. You know, that's not going to work. <laughs> but you say there's a-, there's a risk of blindness. I will, if that happens, do boo, 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 boo. And then you say, you have to ask, you have to physically ask them for, and it's not just like a you're out without, you know, to quickly sign here. It has to be that you have to really get them to emotionally check in with you at that moment and really acknowledge that that's okay with them. Yeah. And I guess the flip side to that sort of question is there are a lot of injectors who struggle with saying the scary complications. Mm, that's true. They kind of go, oh, this kind of thing can happen, but it's not going to happen today. And they don't really go into it. Sign here. Don't worry about all that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, presumably that's a confidence thing again. So for those injectors who find it difficult to talk about blindness and vascular occlusions and strokes and, and all the horrendous things, um, any any sort of tips to sort of feel a bit more empowered? Yep. So again, this is straight from the Timothy's horse's mouth. Tell 
think of it as a moment to educate, but you do it from a place of strength. So you are saying this can happen and then say, if this were to happen and then literally tell the story of of what you would do in that circumstance. So you could even say like that there was a circumstance where this happened to another injector and um and what was and what what we did was blah blah blah. And in that moment, not only are you communicating to them about the from a place of strength, I will do this. Look, I'm the shizzle. Like I will deal with it like this, but also you're telling yourself and over time, you know, uh you don't need reassurance because you're just awesome, but in that moment, you are you are saying, "I will do." Uh, if this were to happen, I would do this, and you're literally kind of like soaking in the vibes of like, "I can deal with this. Mm. I can." You can't not go there. And I think if you if you kind of hide from the from the dusty corners, it's like when I when I mentioned earlier that I procrastinated procrastinated my way into depression. I was hiding from what I needed to do. You're teaching yourself that you're not personally powerful. It only ends badly. Yeah. And I actually have to say, I reckon it also builds trust. If you, like you just said, walk them through, this is what I'm going to do. I've done it before. I have had an occlusion. I'm going to own it. And this is what I did. And everyone was fine. You kind of build yourself as that expert as well. Exactly. Educate them. Yeah. So, you know, don't, you know, everyone has complications. So talk about it and, and be truthful about it and, and tell, tell people what you did. And be... practice like when I was walking around the house yesterday, you know, practicing what I was going to say about pricing. Practice, like, say it from place of strength. Don't kind of say, oh, "You'll be fine." Don't worry. <laughs> say, you know, and this could happen. And what I will do is this, and it's happened to me before, and it was absolutely fine. You know, I think clinicians often, you guys, like Tony Robbins says, get in your head, you're dead. Get out of your own head. Think about the person. Think about how you're going to serve them. Think about the fact that you you feel vulnerable. The clinicians listening to this feel vulnerable. They feel like they're going to get, you know, struck off by because they're going to get complication. You're not the vulnerable one. The patient is. They don't need you to be perfectly formed. They just need you to be the kind of person who can help them in a crisis. And 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 that's that's what you'll be doing. Mm. Something that Jake and I, well, I know I did. Maybe Jake disagrees. Um, struggled when we first started this podcast was listening back, listening to our own voices, listening to our opinions. Heard, you know, it was it's very confronting when you when you're not sort of used to that kind of thing. And I guess that leads on to the question I wanted to ask you, which is that for all of those that are starting out, they're starting their Instagram accounts, they're working out ways in which they can market themselves. Maybe they're doing some videos. How do you get over the fear of just feeling self conscious about the way you look? on an Instagram feed or on a video or on a podcast. Can I ask you, before I answer that, can I ask you, when you were feeling self-conscious, like, was there a particular something, like, what did you fear would happen as a result? Oh, having I, a terrible voice. Or having a, yeah, having having a terrible voice, people, you know, really hating what I'm saying or hating my opinions or not agreeing or you just saw these, the, this, the sort of, the fears. I mean, because no matter what you say, not everyone's going to agree with you. Like it's just, it's just life. Right. So it sort of plagues you a little bit in the back of your mind. Well, I know it did for me. Yeah. Uh, I guess it's a bit like <clears throat> you're always going to get that troll on Instagram, whereas you want all the likes. And it's, <laughs> it's even if you get one person who says something a bit snidey, it's just uncomfortable. Um, and I guess, yeah, when you do a selfie video of yourself, it's, it is uncomfortable. It's just odd. Cause you don't normally see that view of yourself. We've become a bit more comfortable cause we have to zoom every bloody week. <laughs> um, and, and most people have got used to it in the workplace. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I know you've spoken about this a lot, Miranda, and, and you've make a point of going out in your, in your big garden, in your dressing gown, and you just 
turn up and you just do it and it's amazing. But some people just will still be the voyeur. They won't do it. They just can't get over that fear of judgment, I guess. So let me ask you, what, when you overcame it, why? What, what, what motivated you to overcome that fear? I don't think... I don't think I'm fully comfortable with it still. <laughs> what was it? You I mean, said, yeah, the I controlled, mean, David, controlled exposure, maybe. <laughs> but why are you showing up? Why? Because um, it's fun. It's fun. It <laughs> yeah. is fun. It is enjoyable. And, you know, when you have a Zoom like this, it doesn't feel like there's 10,000 people downloading the podcast. It feels like I'm having a chit chat with Miranda, yeah. who, who we've become friendly with. Yeah. So, from that perspective, there's value for me because it's fun. It's nice. Yeah. I'm learning something. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yes. so yeah, I, I guess that's my answer. Yeah, we get to talk also, to the smartest people in the world in whatever they do, and it's like, oh, when do you ever get to do that? Never. And also, what else are you getting from it? Uh, I, I uh, get the um, I, I get enjoyment if people enjoy the content and they take something from it, and it makes them better at what they do, or it's brought some something into their life that wasn't there on that day. Whether it's just motivation, a skill, a different perspective. Yeah, it's all it, it's the feedback you get from people saying that was awesome and sometimes it's really unexpected feedback where you thought it was a bit of an average podcast and suddenly it was like your best downloaded one and you're like, "Oh, okay, I didn't realize that would resonate." So, you learn about yourself, I guess. And will it help your business at all? For for me, I I don't think the podcast is is of course it's linked, but it's more for my profile as a thought leader rather than an injector so it's about but does that help does your profile as a thought leader help your profile as an injector oh 100 percent. does it help your career yeah absolutely absolutely they're all linked yeah and david do you does it help you in yeah well I'm, I'm not an injector so i mean definitely it's opened a lot of doors i've got to meet some really interesting people i've made some new friendships you got some free skin suitical stuff <laughs> <laughs> yes, got to know Jake really well, you know. So yeah, selfishly, yeah. I mean, like I can't sort of say, yes, I've made this much money out of it or anything like that because that's not why we started the podcast, but definitely enriched my life. So what I've just done for you there is what people should do. What is this going to do for you? Like that's all motivation is. Motivation is either you get something good or you move away from something bad. And to, people are not taking that step. All they're doing is thinking, showing up on social media and thinking, oh God, I better do this. Oh, everyone else mm. is doing this. Oh God, I suppose. Whereas if you actually get connected with what you're going to get from it and really focus on that, then you will show up. And it's not just the money. I, I mean, I was kind of pushing you on that because I thought you were you were being a bit like um, coy. But, <laughs> you know, actually, you know, we, we, let's be honest. Like when I started my, um, you know, and I, 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 oh my God, like I put so much into, I, before I was doing any kind of like official marketing, I was waking up in the morning, spending at least an hour on creating content. Then I do at least, I have done two Facebook Lives a week for about four years. And that's a lot. And it that's impacts my lot. family, but I do it. And I do it because of gorgeous reasons, like you said, of like, you know, I just love it. But also I do it because I know I'm building a brand. And then sure enough, I built a brand. And then I asked for some money recently and I got a shit ton of money. It's like, you know, it, it's like you you have to understand what you, what's in it for you. That's, the, that's number one. And then of course, number two is if you really are coming out of your skin because you're worried about your voice sounding or people, a lot of people worry about their accent, um, which is always kind of mad to me because I'm like, well, don't your dream customers have the same accent? But yeah, I get it. You know, I get it. Um, for whatever reason, a lot of people say, which breaks my heart, my face doesn't fit. So the industry, so they might be kind of, you know, in their 50s or something like that, and they haven't had loads of work, but they're worried that they don't look very aesthetically. Again, 
that's a massive limiting belief because I know um, one woman in particular who's amazing nurse in in the Northwest. She started dropping that. Oh, she came to my mindset event and then afterwards she was like balls to that she markets and now she has this gorgeous niche of like 50 year old women who trust her and they know she won't be doing those Russian lips on the, on them <laughs> so you know, she, she, she carved out that gorgeous niche yeah. uh, but the, the point is if you are feeling any of those things it's got to be the baby steps it's got to yeah. be, yeah, by all means, get a blow dry for the first time, take a picture yeah. of yourself, curate the fuck out of it. And then next time, do it, do it. And, and when I used to walk around my garden in my, in, my, um, in my dressing gown, I used to use the kitten filter. And what? now I don't use the kitten filter. So it's, it's baby steps. It's, it's exposure therapy. Yeah. David yeah. doesn't like it. Every, before every podcast, I try and force him to do a little selfie video <laughs> just to announce, you know, whatever. We, you know, just 10 second thing and oh, it's always awkward. I'm getting better. Yeah, <laughs> definitely getting better. Oh, look, I don't like it either, but it, 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 it serves its purpose. It is fun and, and it's branding and, and, and people want to get to know you. You know, if, yes, they listen to the podcast, but if they connect to yeah. what's happening behind the scenes, it just feels richer, I guess. Yeah. I guess not everyone has to like you. You know what I mean? You can build your own niche audience. I mean, we've got like, what, four and a half thousand followers on Instagram, but you know, we get like 20,000 downloads. I don't know where they all come from per month. I don't know where all these people come from or who's downloading them, but obviously someone's liking what you're saying and all of those that don't, well, whatever. Tough. <laughs> But also, if you try and, and I don't think you're doing this, but I think by not taking action, people are naturally sort of, they're thinking, oh, I want to be all things to all people. If you are, you'll be no one to anyone. Like I did a little story just on the way over to the shed. um, And I said, you know, that that your podcast was quite like irreverent and kind of, you know, I like, I mean, particularly Jake, you know, following you on Instagram and you do like go there. I remember the first time I ever really noticed you was when you did a, um, a story about a uh, long nail, uh, not a story. It was like a post <laughs> yeah. about gross long nails. <laughs> yeah. And it, it really, um, it piqued my interest because I have acrylic nails. I mean, they're not as long and I'm very hygienic, but um, I was a bit like, he went there, you know, kind of thing. And, and that you, your vibe attracts your tribe. Mm. So you're, you will attract irreverent people like me because that's the way you are. You know, David, you're, you, you, know, you seem like a really laid back guy. You're going to attract laid back people. You're not going to attract uptight, you know, people who are going to criticize you because you weren't, you know, you did some slightly uncompliant thing or so, you know what I mean? Something like that. It's like, and I, I, I have people all the time thinking I'm too much and I am help. Honestly, I am just going for it. I'm leaning more and more and more into me and who I am and the crazy parts of me. And the more I do, the faster I grow. Simple. I feel like I've, beige, been, I've learned, I've learned something about myself and you. Yeah. I feel like I've been psychologically analyzed, but in a positive way. Really? Thank you, Miranda. What have you discovered about yourself? As- I don't know. I just feel warm and fuzzy now. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you're cheeky you're irreverent and you you actually are good at setting boundaries as well I, I remember when I, I put you in my course because there was um, a, a, a post that I wanted to make to uh, I wanted to use to make a point which was around uh, boundary setting so it was when you were basically saying like you know if you don't have a deposit like do one basically but again that's your cheeky irreverent personality and but also I get it, it, there are three pillars of trust Tim talks about there's trust comes out in three ways it comes out in competence so standing on stage you know you know looking smart whatever you know having great before and afters there's also integrity of course actually doing you know doing what you say you'll do and politicians fall foul of this but the third one that people don't realize and what you actually hit really well on that deposits post jake was emotional safety so 
your vibe attracts your tribe. You are putting a boundary down. If I'm the kind of person locally who thinks, do you know what? I want a guy who can clearly like take, you know, take the mickey a little bit and I'll, we'll have a bit of bounce in our consultation, but I know that he's got boundaries. And, and, and so you hit the pillar of trust of competence with the boundaries and um, the rest of your feed. And then you hit the pillar of trust of, you know, emotional safety. And I think you also do that when you show your kids and stuff like that. Of course, there's a, there's a limit, but, you know, you do that and it just shows that you're a normal guy. Come on. Can we please stop trying to pretend that we are something that we aren't? You know, we're all just normal people and people, honestly, Everyone in social media is craving that at the moment. They're craving before and afters of women with their cellulite. You know, it's it's all that. It's, it's kicking off at the moment. And and the people who are choosing to stay on the perfection end of the of marketing are gonna die. Like seriously, it's that bad. Yeah. Like you you will just be ir- irrelevant in his, the history of marketing. You'll be left behind. Let's let's keep it real. David mm. talks about that a lot. Yeah. When something looks too good, it it, it it's inauthentic. I can't say the word in. Yeah, unauthentic. Yeah. That's Unauth- the one. Unauthentic. <laughs> yeah. So you know, marketing is—it's it, about being real, and and that's how you build the trust. If you if everything's so polished and perfect, and there's never fun, it's just. It's yeah. just very sterile, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, we've even noticed that with the way we've done the podcast. I mean, we started off writing every question and, you know, all the, you know. We had a the, formal intro as well, formal we? introduction and it's just gone, well, now we just, you know, we write, we obviously do our homework and we learn about our guests and we've got some basic discussion points, but like 60% of what we talk about is just on the fly. It just happens just in the natural energy of a conversation. I have no idea what you were going to say and I didn't know how I was going to feel about what you said. And then you know, <laughs> around we go and it just becomes this really organic. Um, and I think people, people are just over seeing shit that's overly curated. It just, it just feels fake. Yeah. hundred percent. What, um, what other things are people doing not so great on Instagram? And one of the things I want to ask you, cause we're doing a live tomorrow with Raj Aquila, funny you mentioned his name, um, is lives. Oh. And how you know th- th- that's kind of a a selfie video on steroids because it's live. Yeah. Um. And you know, there's the technical side of things about people messing around and pressing the wrong buttons, and then and and how to do it in a way that seems fluid and and not stumbly. Okay. So I have done what I practice, what I preach. I've got a little post-it note with three points on that I want to talk about because I knew you're going to ask this. And let me put the person here, right? And I, so I, again, I've got a whole module um, on my, in my dream customer attraction method on this because lives are so powerful because it's free algorithm juice. <laughs> because literally, um, apparently Zuckerberg said when he started Facebook Live, apparently he said like, he wants to like take over TV, he wants to rival TV, you know, I, mean, I don't think he particularly won at that. But the point is he's putting all that juice. So you, if you go live, you'll be seen by so many more people than if you just did a normal video. Yeah. So I, again, I, I, you know, I could give you a, like a whole formula, which I won't do, but let me just give you the three biggest inflection points that I've noticed when I've done this, then the lives have worked incredibly well. So the first, as you would expect from me, like I've got three mindset points that, and because and I think it's so important because lives is so scary that you have to have these three, these three mindset points. Number one, get out your own head. Like literally you are obsessing about you being rubbish on this live and you saying the wrong word and you getting struck off, you know, your, your regulatory body. And, you know, you know, you're worried about your kid is going to come in and, you know, start, <laughs> you know, you know, you're, you're worried about yourself. Can we please think about what we're trying to achieve here? We're trying to achieve value for this other person. 
think about them. Like they're literally vulnerable. Whoever you're trying to teach, whether it be B2B, B2C, you're trying to teach someone who wants to learn something or wants to be entertained. Think about them, get into their space. You know, Oprah said that feeling nervous is a selfish emotion. Don't be nervous. Like it's not about you. It's about serving your customer. Just think about how you're going to add value to them. And that would really, really help. The second thing I want to say about, um, about lives is if it goes wrong, that's good. Like honestly, <laughs> so let me tell you this crazy story. I mean, I've had everything. I've had mostly kid kid related, and uh, the worst one was Corona had just kicked off, and uh, this chap from Hamilton Fraser, Mark Hamilton Fraser in in the UK is one of the is the biggest insurance providers for aesthetic clinicians, and for the first time they had had people on mass asking for to be re- to redeem their business interruption insurance. Oh yeah, that's still kicking off here. Not, mm. not just the ho- not just you know the the me- professional indemnity it was about, you know, actually oh well my business has been interrupted, can I have some money please? And they made actually they are just a broker but they'd made a, they're, they're um, I think Hiscox or whoever is the higher up had made a decision not to not to not to pay out. And so Mark, you know, bought like credit to him. He had some balls. He came on alive with me. <laughs> and people were really genuinely interested. Loads of people turned up and my my spaces that I create on social media are always gorgeous, supportive. But this one wasn't particularly, you know, they were kind of not paying for blood, but they were definitely like, you know, hello, you know, are you going to give it to us? And so they all turned up and it was like quite a kind of like vibe, you know, not very, um, not very friendly. And halfway through, I mean, Mark did really well. And, you know, I honestly give him credit. But halfway through, I heard this from, because we're in the middle of lockdown, heard this from the, uh, from the toilet from my four-year-old I finished my poo (laughs) and literally I now had to wipe a four-year-old's ass in the middle of this deeply serious Facebook live with this guy I've never met never spoken to you know and then later few minutes later and I didn't thank God Tim Tim rescued me I thought you were going to say it was Tim (laughs) (laughs) later on the seven year old came up in the middle of the Facebook like mom 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 oh my god the Sonic movie is available on Disney Plus (laughs) like he literally and everyone now by this point everyone's just laughing like I don't know Mark didn't know what hit him I don't think he's even got kids but all my audience are just like oh my god this is just hilarious and as a result people trust me that you know it's that it's that p- pillar of trust, which is about emotional safety. So don't worry about it if it goes wrong. And then the final thing I'd say about mindset is when you first go live, if no bugger comes on, do not worry about it. People will watch it on the replay. Don't freak out. Or likewise, if loads of people come on, don't freak. And if loads of people leave, don't freak. I've had it all, you know, just show up. This is what you're here for. The outcome is that you showed up, not that you are the, the best live person in the history of man. So that's what I'd say about mindset. Do, do any of those res- things resonate? No, definitely. And last question about lives. Can you do a live with three people? I heard you can. In Instagram, you can. Yeah, they've, they've, they've done that recently. How do you but, do it? Yeah. <laughs> we I'm tried with Julie moved. Horn and it fucked up and David, I had to kick uh, David off. <laughs> oh no, David, I, you got bumped for the jewels. He wasn't happy. This is just we had to have a long chat after. This is just the cross I have to bear. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, I was freaking out. Yeah. <laughs> but, but can I just say a couple of things about lives which is so important? Number one is if you can keep it topical. So there's been two lives that Tim's done where there was almost a thousand people on live. Um, so one was when we were talking about a very famous occlusion that ha- he was talking to another clinician about a very famous occlusion that happened in England. Um, we, we topped out at almost a thousand. And the second time was when Tim was on to Dr. Harris talking about, you know, yeah. uh, what Tim Dr. Tim. Harris talks about, which is the whole, you know, natural <laughs> beauty, et cetera. Again, you know, it was controversial. Um, there were two, you know, two, so I think 
keep it topical if you can jump on to opportunities, be opportunist when it comes to live. The nature of a live is that people kind of want to. So, you know, let's say that Simon Cowell has, you know, suddenly looks more done. Like talk about that in the moment. That'll you'll get you so many more people. Um, and the second, the most actually probably the most important thing, and this is a tip for all marketing, is m- what I call the ASA formula, which is grab their attention by hyping it first. You know, let people know that you're doing a live, then tell stories stories. You got to tell stories. You you know, that story that I just told you about, I finished my poo. Like you guys, I could tell by your body language, you were, you were really listening to me. Stories are so much more powerful than just giving information. So tell stories, tell stories, tell stories, or ask your guests to. And finally ask for an action, ASA, attention, story, action, get them every single Facebook live I ever do. I'm saying, Hey guys, drop me a one if you're watching live and drop me a two if you're watching on the replay. Keep it quite Uh. easy for them to do. So they don't have to do much effort, but ask for an action. The humans don't do things unless you ask them. Well, Miranda, I'm going to ask you for an action right now. Please give our listeners all your contact details, how they find you on Instagram, how they email you. Um, It's been wonderful talking with you. This has been, I feel re-energized and ready to open up 10 more businesses. And and also feel free to, um, you know, showcase your course and everything Everything, all, all the good stuff, all the stuff they can buy from you and how they get in contact. Okay. So I think that the place that they could be served best would be on my Instagram because, which is at Miranda Pierce, P-E-A-R-C-E mindset, at Miranda Pierce mindset, because that's kind of where everything flows out of me. And I'm so, you know, I'm just, I just love Instagram. I'm on there all the time. I'm kicking people's ass. I'm like, you know, talking about mindset. Like if people are worried, they're feeling overwhelmed, they're feeling anxious, I'm booting their ass to actually get them (laughs) to take action. So that's the best place. I do have, um, uh, also a, a, a weekly email called letter from auntie M. And this is awesome as well. Like I give ridiculous amount of value. You know, Tim's been known quite a few times to raise his eyebrow. Like you did what? <laughs> you mm. gave away what? So it comes out on a Sunday. Um, and if you just, um, just go on my Instagram, on my link, link in bio on my Instagram, you'll find letter from auntie M. That's amazing um, place to go. And yeah, I'd say that those are the, the best. I had this, um, this course dream customer attraction method, which I launched in, um, in May that went absolutely wild. I had, um, thou- I, 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 I launched on a webinar. I had 6,000 people register Wow! and I had, um, I had, uh, 2000 people attend live. So I was talking on a zoom to 2000 people. <sighs> That's crazy. Um, so, um, that, that, I just mentioned that because that course went, is going really well. Everyone's loving it. So, um, in fact, I had a, someone in Australia comment that she was coming out of the Melbourne lockdown mm-hmm. and, and she felt raring to go. And like, Hey, she had much higher engagement because of the course and everything like that. So if you Google dream customer attraction methods it's on Tim's website, you'll see it as well. Thank you, Miranda. I really do appreciate this chat. It's been Education. Awesome. And I, 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 I'm not going to make ask you to make a decision now. I reckon there's legs to do a second one. Maybe more <laughs> about Instagram and marketing and, yeah. and how to use hashtags and all that jazz that I don't still really understand. We'll go so maybe yeah, a bit more not, technical. But I'll only do it if you'll agree to not just talk shitty little tactics because everyone gets obsessed with hashtags. It's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like a cherry on the top. Well, it's we don't like, know. You like need to salt. tell us it's all it's bullshit. Like a, Pardon? I said, we don't know. You need. You, this is why we need you to tell us it's all bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it's a thing. You know, I use hashtags, um, but it's like if you were to get an ice cream sundae and you get the strawberry sauce on the top, that's what hashtags is. The, 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 the real meat is the, is the ice cream and like the, the Oreos and the, you know, so the, all content. the, bit, the swirly bits in the middle. The You'd content. be amazed how many people don't know this stuff. No. You know, you know they post once every 300 days and they don't do any hashtags and they don't do anything they just 
you know, and they don't understand how to do it. They don't know, they don't know what to do. Um, so I don't know. Anyway, we can discuss yeah, that I one. I think it'd be great. Um, but no, I really do appreciate it because, you know, we've been chatting for ages and then COVID hit and we were going to do this a long time ago. So thank you. And also thank you for doing this short notice. Yes. We've been screwed up with our own lockdown. Well, yeah. And so we had, you know, we were going to plan to talk to you, I think at the end of July and everyone just cancelled. We couldn't obviously see anyone in person. So thank you for showing up. Thank you. My pleasure. Uh, and thank you for attracting me with your, I am your tribe and you attracted me with your vibe. So I think everyone who's listening here will know intuitively and emotionally like what you guys are about. And so I, you know, I honour you for putting that out into the world because if you didn't put it out into the world, then you wouldn't be serving those 20,000 people who download each month. And that's the message I want to give people is just get over yourself and start serving. Thanks, Miranda. Well, now that I know you, I'm going to harass you on Instagram. Now we're friends. <laughs> Definitely. And I'll start mentioning you on my story. Yeah, David. please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, stay safe with Tim and enjoy yourselves. <laughs> Thanks, Miranda. See you later. Bye. For our latest news, upcoming guests and episode topics, follow us on Instagram at Inside Aesthetics Podcast. During the week before every recording, look out for our Instagram stories as we'll give you the opportunity to submit your questions to our guests and get a shout out. You can also DM us for any other information, suggestions or guest requests.